traction with Andrew Coley, World RX commentator, uh, and all our nice guy who's got plenty of cool stories uh, for us to, to go through. So um, we've got a few questions for you. Hope you don't mind us asking them. You've been here for the majority of the day anyway. Um, so as an introduction, just talk us through your background. Um, what got you into rallying? And what made you stop the rallying and make the transition into commentary? So my name's Andrew Coley. I'm a television commentator. I currently commentate the FIA World Rallycross Championship. Uh, I've commentated rallying from IRC, WRC. IRC was probably my first big gig. I was the co-commentator on that. Um, and then I moved across to become the lead commentator for a championship called Super League Formula. Uh, myself and the producers, who I still work with uh, now, joked about the fact that we, we, were, that we were the last people on a sinking ship. It was the last year of Super League Formula. So we have somewhat of a reputation for killing stuff. Let's hope that doesn't continue. Uh, so that was my first ever job as lead commentator, but I'm jumping ahead. I, was, I wanted to be a rally driver. That was what I wanted to do. I loved rallying. I'd raced radio-controlled cars as a kid. I've actually gone back to racing radio-controlled cars now as a proper grown-up, if, if I'm grown-up. Um, and I, I, Colin McRae was my hero. I wanted to be the next Colin McRae. I wanted to be a factory rally driver. I, you know, being really honest, now I'm a bit older. I don't think I would have been quick enough. But I don't know. I think if you, you need the money when you're really young and you're really crazy and you're, and you're not scared of anything to, to ever find out. Certainly, God, nowhere near quick enough now. Not at all brave enough. But it, you know, the older you get, the, the more the bravery, the bravery, is, yeah, the bravery goes away. But it wasn't really the bravery or the lack of talent which stopped me from carrying on. As with a lot of people, it was a lack of money. So I started in, I went to a rally school when I was 19 years old and drove a Mark II Escort for the first time with Chris Munnings as my instructor. And Chris's daughter is Katie Munnings, who is, uh, has just signed up for Extreme E. And Katie, of course, did commentary here with me at Motorsport Games last year for the, for the first Dirt Rally World Series. So it's such a small world, motorsport. I digress, um, as usual. And so, so anyway, I started as a rally driver out of Vauxhall Nova rally car, did some tarmac rallies in the southeast of England. We, we did pretty well. Uh, I then went on to drive for a team called 22 Motorsport who had uh, Ibiza's, then foot and mouth hit, and that kind of stopped. And I stopped from 2001 through to 2007 when I bought the Peugeot 206 Cup car, uh, which I went and did a whole year of forest rallying. So I really wanted to do some forest rallying. I felt it was the one thing that I hadn't done enough of when I'd, when I'd been rallying previously. I did a year of that. And then, to be honest with you, we, we'd won our class at that level. I, there was no way I could raise the money to go any further. Um, I'd wiped myself out financially. So I parked the car for a bit. The recession hit in 2008. And that was actually when I started looking for something else to do. So alongside being a rally driver, I'd worked as a motorsport instructor everywhere, all over the UK, even abroad, like, lucky enough to go to the frozen lakes in Norway and stuff, but mostly circuit, rally, off-road here in, in the UK. Um, and it was a job that I very much liked. But when the recession hit in 2008, loads of that work got cancelled. And I was like, well, what can I do? Like, what... I don't know if I want to do this forever. It's quite scary sitting in the passenger seat with members of the public all day. And I thought I probably talk too much, which is evident now. And uh, I kind of realised that not all the other instructors were comfortable with talking. Oh, my God, I was nervous. If I had to do a briefing in front of 50 people, I was so nervous. But I could do it. And some of the other guys maybe couldn't. So I thought, OK, there might be, there might be something in this. And I'd done some TV work. I'd done a thing with GMTV. I taught Dr. Hillary to be a rally driver. I'd done a thing on BBC Three where I taught a student to be my co-driver. I'd competed in the Dakar Challenge, which was on Eurosport, as a driver. And we'd, there was like six hours of TV with that. And I'd really enjoyed the process of making TV. So I got a friend of mine to put all those little bits of TV together on a DVD. 
and I sent it off to two people, Top Gear, which was maybe aiming a bit high, and Eurosport. And I was lucky enough to get a foot in the door at Eurosport after quite a few no emails. I, I, in the, I think I hassled them enough that in the end they said, come on then, come and have a chat. And I, I managed to break into commentating there on the Intercontinental Rally Challenge. So that was where it started. That was two, May 2009 was my first time on air. So, yeah, 10... 11 years, 12 years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, coming up 12. All all for a DVD showreel. Yeah, you've got... If you don't ask, you don't get. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. I've gone back to my college a few times recently with the kids there and and, uh, spoken to them about what I've ended up doing. I studied graphic design. I never planned to be a television commentator. Um, In fact, it was when I was studying graphic design that I really sort of got bang into my rallying and decided I loved it more than anything else, definitely more than graphic design. Um, So I... I'm a big believer that you have to go and chase after it. Very rarely does somebody come to you and go, here's something cool, do you want to do it? You have to go to somebody and go, I, I really want to be involved in this. And that was what I did with Eurosport. So it was a lot of a lot of no emails. And you get a lot of no's a long way through the, the whole thing. But it was a lot of no emails. And, and then you sort of find somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and, and, and force an opportunity. And I, yeah, I've worked hard since to, to continue to make it work. And I love it. It's brilliant. Well, and uh, and yeah, you now are the voice of uh, International World RX. Um, do you, and looking back, obviously, a few seasons you've been doing it, do you have a favourite moment so far in your World Rallycross commentator that you're particularly fond of? Yeah, so in my... In my... In my 10... No, let me think. How many... How many I've, been, I've been commentating 12 years, as we said, and I've been with the World Rallycross Championship since it started in 2014. I can't remember how many events it is, 80-something. And um, I think... I don't, I don't remember stuff very well. I, I always have it written down. If I had a favourite moment, it would be the probably the final from 2019 of the World Rallycross Championship between Andreas Backward and Timmy Hansen because you are so emotionally invested in it at that point. We'd been talking right back from... Earlier in the season, you know, there was the big crash in Abu Dhabi and Timmy and Andreas were way back in the points. And then Timmy got a bit of a, a march on Andreas and was ahead. And then Timmy had the problem in Canada and suddenly Andreas was back. And Andreas had gone to Canada going, it's, it's over, it's done. And it flipped the other way in an instant. And everyone was like, oh my God, what if it, you know, what if it goes to the second to last round or the last round? And we were all going, oh, imagine if it went to the last final. And nobody, nobody, you know, you think how many races there are in a season. No one thought that on the, when there's points at every stage, it's always been won at intermediates or, or, you know, two rounds before the end of the season. And no one dared to think it would go to the last final. And it did. And it was just the, the pressure I felt to do it justice because you don't want to mess it up. You, you know, you know, you're, there's a lot on it. Everyone's watching it. I was so nervous. I can remember my voice going when I was talking about Kevin pulling up to the grid and Andreas and Timmy pulling away from the teams and shutting the doors and knowing that that was it. They were about to go for six laps to become the world champion, the highest accolade in the sport. It makes me feel quite emotional about it now, just thinking about it. It was a wonderful, wonderful moment. I'm only gutted they couldn't both win it because they're both brilliant blokes. And it went the way it went. I really, I wish it had gone to a last lap merge. You know, I wish one had jokered on lap one and one had jokered on lap six, like we saw uh, last year with Extra and Christofferson in Sweden. You know, something like that. 
but I might have had a heart attack, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was freaking out, but it was a wonderful moment, and it's definitely, I would definitely pick it's my highlight. Sporting moment. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably go back to the snowy IRC Rally Monte Carlo <laughs> uh, with Francois Delacour and Brian Bouffier going out on studs, and Hannon and Solberg going out on slicks, and they're just the leaderboard being turned on its head. So, and that was right at the start. That was back in 2010 or 11, I think it was. And this one, you know, the other one was 2019. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. I'm very lucky. Well, uh, obviously, 2019 as well. On the commentary vibe, do you need to do anything in your, like, psychology and psych yourself up before going into the commentary booth before? I mean, it says here, before, even before that race, do you have to psych yourself up, get into the zone or get into the mood or... So when you go into the commentary box before the finals, it, it depends on, on how the day's gone, how the weekend's gone even, as to whether or not you need to psych yourself up. So something like 2019, you don't need to psych yourself up for that. I was absolutely petrified. I was so, so nervous and so fired up and feeling the emotion of the whole thing. You know, we'd done the interviews with the drivers all weekend. They were all on edge in the press conference, in the driver draw. Everyone was on edge. You could sense the tension in the teams and it, it comes across to you. It's why I love being at the events. So no for that. But sometimes when it's been a long weekend, particularly if you're out of your time zone and, and you're absolutely knackered somewhere like Canada or you've had like a long haul flight or in South Africa, actually, I was going to say. But, but if, you, if you can be a bit tired, sometimes you just need to make sure that you go there because I'm a big believer that through the course of the weekend, it all culminates in that live hour TV, which is the semifinals and the finals. And we have hand signals in the commentary box. So if, if I feel we need to lift the energy a bit, and that's me and Dan Root, the current, yeah, I do this. I do this, which is, you probably see me do it to John if I want us to go an extra level because sometimes you can sense that the story's there. Or, or sometimes if the story's not there, like some fi- not all finals are bangers and often the semi-finals are even better than the final. Um, and you just, so you just have to make sure that you keep your energy right up there because at that point it's the, it's the peak of the broadcast and I like to make sure that you're, you're approaching the, you know, the, the, the higher levels, level nine, you know, always, always save level 11 for a thing like Turn South out, Africa. 2019 final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or the last corner at Hollius, uh, Hanson and Ekstrom. Uh, okay, so uh, Rallycross, uh, it is different to rally. If you were to sum up what makes Rallycross different and such a unique sport, how would you, how would you describe it? What would you, how would you sum up a unique sport like Rallycross? I love both rally and rallycross and they're, they're both so different and from a TV point of view you approach them completely differently like for me rallying is is almost a radio show and that doesn't mean it's not exciting it is but it develops a bit like a test match in cricket does over the course of a few days and tyre choices and mistakes and punctures and, and and that you know that's so the pace of it is a bit different yeah you get a power stage and that can be that can be pretty awesome or a super close finish and we've seen some incredibly close finishes in rallying recently um, but rallycross is is completely different. It lots it's lots of short, sharp. Uh, we always say that watching a highlight show is like being punched in the face for a whole hour because you take out all the stuff in between where we're quite mellow and chilling and just discussing, I don't know, stuff we can see on the horizon in Spain with the various cameramen, and you take all that out. And you watch a highlight show and you're like, oh my god, like it's it's just it's in your face. It's for and it's brilliant to commentate because it's a start, it's a tactical battle over four or six laps, and it's a finish. And then in there, there's a turn one, and there's some contact and some joke clap merges. It's just like this the whole time, but it's it's exhausting because your adrenaline's here and then down, and here and then down, and you're knackered by the end of a weekend. But it's such a brilliant sport, and for the current generation of kind of social media kids, if you like, who who maybe don't want to watch a Grand Prix that's an hour and forty five minutes long, I'll happily watch it. I love it. I want to watch. I want to do the Dakar. You know, it's like ultra long. But but rally cross is brilliant. And if you're too busy, if you can't watch this one weekend, you just pop on YouTube and watch a four and a half, five minute final and go, wow. Uh, so it's a wonderful sport for TV. And that's why I think it's got, it has got a, a really strong future. 
Uh, well, uh, <laughs> and perfect uh, segue. Talking of the future, uh, what do you think about the potential for rallycross uh, vehicles in the future? And obviously the RX2e, um, uh, which makes its debut this year. So this year in Rallycross, we've got the, the start of the first ever FIA electric series, um, which is RX2e. So RX2 was the, you know, the space frame sh- uh, chassis, 2.4 litre Cosworth rear engine, the RX2 cars, lights cars, as they were sometimes known. This year, we've got RX2e, which, as the name suggests, is electric. So uh, there's been some testing videos that come out. It's two electric motors, one front, one rear driver, uh, sits on the left-hand side with the battery pack down the right. They look mega. They look really quick. They've got loads of grunt, you know, out of the corners. The acceleration's outrageous. And from 2022, they're looking to do the same with the main class in the World Rallycross Championship. And, you know, stop press. The fans are up in more than two minds, let's say, about it. I get it. I, I, I will miss the noise of anti-lag at the start in particular. I will miss the noise of a car and knowing when times on the limiter. I will miss all that. But... Sport is a business at every level. And, and the, the harsh truth is, if you want teams like Hansen and Backerud and Ekstrom and Solberg and Christofferson, Loeb, if you want those drivers to continue to come, if you want the people at the top level of the sport, they, they've got to be able to earn a living out of it. They, they are working so hard at the minute to scratch together enough money to be able to run the cars that, that it's, it's almost it's impossible for the sport to sustain itself without the manufacturer involvement. Yeah, OK, you could do three or four more years of clubman rallycross at world championship level and then what all the cars are old and finished and and it just doesn't work so look i get it my my favorite rally my favorite rally cars group a yeah my favorite era of rallying is group a the impress of the evo 6 uh f2 and a lot of it's about the noise i get it but i can't i'm not going to desert rallying just because the noise isn't there anymore i love the sport and likewise i'm not going to desert rallycross if it goes electric, when it goes electric. because And I think the other thing to remember is that if you took all motorsports now and you took away the noise from them all, F1, MotoGP, whatever it would be, um, rallying, if, and said which one's still got an amazing spectacle, for me it's Rallycross. You've still got five cars starting a line. You've still got turn one and the impossible five into one. You've still got joker lap tactics. We've still got gravel. We've still got jumps. You know, we're going to have super close racing with unbelievable talk from low down. I, 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 I think it can be mega, but people, you've got to give it a chance. You can't just write it off straight away. I'm not going to write it off, you know, so we, you've got to stick with it and see. Like if the manufacturers come and we end up with loads of manufacturers and factory drivers and crazy development again, yes, it will be expensive, but yeah, it's a world championship. There's a level for that. The internal combustion will be around for a long time to come. European Rallycross, National Rallycross Championship. So... I think people have got to give it a chance. And manufacturers don't necessarily worry too much about the investment as long as they're getting a return. So yeah. you know, they'll happily invest in their budget and, and make a space for it in their, in their budget <laughs> if they know that it's been worthwhile. So yeah, basically, if, if yeah, if you want if you want the sport to continue, as I say, unfortunately, what well, you can look at it with your rose tinted spectacles as much as you like. Oh, I liked it when it was like this. Well, so did I. But you know, at the time, Group A that was the pinnacle of manufacturer interest because it was what they wanted to do. They wanted to promote a Subaru Impreza and a Mitsubishi Lancer Evo Six. They're not promoting those things anymore. I don't think you can even buy an STI Impreza in the UK anymore, which is gutting for me. I want an STI Impreza, but. But I will, you know, times are moving on and they're starting to want to promote other things. They want to promote electric vehicles. And if you had to pick a motorsport, the electric vehicles would be brilliant for its rallycross. So it doesn't mean 
you, you have to go stop watching your old YouTube videos of noisy rallycross, that's fine, but give it a go. Come to a track, give it a chance. I don't think it'll be as quiet as you think it's going to be when you've got six cars pitching into turn one. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we digress slightly from real-world motor, motorsport uh, to sim racing and, and, and rally games. Uh, so, obviously, you've been playing a lot of dirt rally recently. How has it been using a steering wheel uh, for the first time? I know you've just made the, the change from a controller, so... Uh, how has it been on the steering wheel for you? So I, I've been playing uh, computer games, if you want to call them that, you know, for a long, long time. Trying to think back to the first games I played, there was a there was a game called F Type or J Type or something, which was a Jaguar racing game. I think on a maybe on a BBC B, like like giving away my age here, aren't I? Uh, and then I can remember, was there like a Mobile One British Rally Championship game? I've got a feeling there was. Uh, and then things like V Rally, and then right through, obviously, things like the arcade Sega Rally, that kind of stuff. But through to Colin McRae Rally. And that, for me, was the first time I was like, wow, okay. You know, I, my God, I love that game. I played it to death. I used to turn the brightness up on the night stages to cheat. You know, all, all the tricks. And, of course, all the way through to the current titles, Dirt Rally 2.0. Um, and, it, yeah, I love it. I've played it loads, but I've always played with the controller. Just because I haven't had a wheel at home, it's quite a big, uh, it's quite a big thing to take up space in your house, and you know the wife doesn't necessarily. Uh, and plus, you know, I, I maybe had uh, a real rally car, and then I've had radio controlled cars, real geek, and then suddenly, yeah, Thrustmaster were kind enough uh, with PlaySeat to give me the opportunity to try a PlaySeat challenge with a Thrustmaster T150 Pro, and I found the first week so frustrating because I couldn't match the times I was doing on the gamepad. I, like, I couldn't I couldn't understand why. And obviously, game pads are great now with the triggers. You've got a bit of feel for brake and throttle. It's not just on or off. And I couldn't get near it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm rubbish. Like, I'm commentating esports and I can't drive it at all. But you have to stick with it because over the course of a week, I was suddenly like, oh, okay, cool, I, I can do this. And the places where you notice it the most are high-speed corners. So with a controller when you're using a stick and you're tap, tap, tap in a corner. If you imagine in a long corner in a real car, turn, 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 you've loaded and unloaded the car three times. I'm going back to my motorsport instructor route now, 10 years of that, and, and, and that's no good for the car. Like Each time you do that, it loses grip, and it's the same in the game. You know, the game reads those inputs as inputs into a steering wheel. When you've got the wheel in, in sixth gear in Germany in the 306 Maxi, it's mint, it's all settled and great. And, and likewise, on the brakes, you can go so late on the brakes into junctions and hairpins and things and just unsettle the car a little bit so i'm a massive advocate for a wheel now i i just and it doesn't have to you know i say the t150 pro that i'm using is not like esports you know what these people are like spending thousands on a rig i plan a playstation 4 it has changed my immersion in the game massively and i'd say if you if you particularly if you're playing on a console if you're not looking at you know investing thousands in a pc rig get your console get yourself a wheel and you know say something like a playstation challenge the fold-up chair and and uh, or even your, you know certainly sofa and attach it to the coffee table your, your wife will love that your mum, uh whatever uh and, and play with the wheel because it changes it changes the feel for the game completely once you go wheel it's difficult to go back yeah i, I, I play it on a control so the other thing that's really weird is i used to play when i used to play on the controller i always played chase cam i can't play in car with a controller i just can't do it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all with the wheel i always play inside the car and if i play behind the car i feel like it's 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 following it's too late it's chasing the car the inputs and everyone used to say to me how can you play behind the car you're chasing the inputs but with the controllers for me it felt right behind the car i think oliver solberg and peter solberg still play chase cam if i remember correctly yeah even with the wheel i might be wrong but i i prefer with the wheel to play in the car, yeah, it's mega. Me and uh, we were talking about WRC three, yeah, uh, and it was one of the only games that 
move, the car moved and the camera didn't. And we're playing chase cam. Usually it moves the car with the whole camera and it yeah. feels like the screen's moving. WRC3, the screen never moved, but the car did. And it was a total game changer. So I always played a chase, uh, chase cam. Do you? So, I, I did on WRC3. Yeah, it got you. Because that was it. The, the, the screen wasn't moving and it felt like you weren't. And you, the car moved in the screen. So uh, little things. I've, uh, I've, played, I've played virtual reality once on the old dirt rally. And that was brilliant as well. Because then when the car's sideways, you can look through the side window. <laughs> and uh, I, I did enjoy that. So yeah, a bit of a VR fan as well. But I've yet to, yet to invest in that. Um, and then, yeah, other than uh, sort of, well, racing games obviously getting better and better. Are there any parallels, do you think, from real rallying and rallycross to the game experience? So, so if, you, if, you're playing, if you're a gamer and you're, you're comparing it to real life, there are a lot of parallels to draw between the two, definitely. It's certainly when you're using a wheel, much more so when you're using a wheel than when you're not. In, and it's things like consistency and concentration are two of the big ones. And you really have to, you know, if you're in a car, you're very much immersed in it. I, I would say if you're playing the game, get headphones because you can completely cut out everything else that's going on around you. And that makes a huge difference again to your level of distraction. Um, and don't have a dog. I had, to, I had to stop a Twitch stream recently to let the dog out to go for the wee uh, on the drive. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I paused it on a straight, obviously. Let the dog out, waited a minute and came back. Um, so, yeah, there are parallels to draw, definitely. And from, from a practice point of view, I, I think it's great. You're certainly, from a, with pace notes, you have to really listen to the pace notes and the pace notes become... You almost react to them. It, it, you know, it really is a description, a visualisation in your head of the, of the road ahead. Uh, I'd love to see a game where you can write your own notes. That would be a massive game changer because the notes in the game are absolutely brilliant. We, with Phil Mills reading them out, they are brilliant. But I'd love to see one where you can where you can change some of the notes if you don't agree with the note or maybe describe a corner slightly differently. I think that would be amazing. And then you'll see you know guys like John Armstrong and and Oliver Solberg using their own pace note systems in theory. I mean, yeah, imagine it. How how far you could go with it, it would be it would be incredible. But I'd also like to see uh, talking future games going digressing again. I'd I'd love to see. I know we had a stage generator in a version of Dirt Rally Dirt Four, I think it was. And I'd love to see that because I like going into a stage not knowing where it goes. That's much more like rallying than when I hot lap a stage and learn it really well you know I can only get into the top couple of hundred on dirt rally if I if I session a stage again and again and again and then I'm not convinced you're necessarily listening to the notes you know the stage and that's so yeah so I want to see you want to see more but the stages they're so detailed it takes so much work to make them that I understand why there's a limit to what they can be but yeah that's what I'd like to see then it would be then it would be even more with rallycross I think it's about consistency it's about hitting your marks again and again and again and being within a tenth and a tenth and a tenth that you talk to someone like Johan Christofferson and he can say to you I was a tenth off on the third sector and I'm really annoyed about it and you're like wow I'd love to be a tenth off on one sector like he's a machine uh, and then like serving back into real world I guess have you got any advice or if you were to tips I say for anybody who started off on younger generation started off in uh, video games who wants to transfer into the real world motorsport where do you start from where, where would you go so if I was looking to move from esports to the real world, and I think that's something we're going to see more of, I really do. I worked on Race of Champions in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago, and they had a competition where they, they won an esports competition, and then the, the very best of them went into the real cars against the real drivers, and they took some scalps. It was amazing, really amazing. 
So it's definitely a transferable skill. One of the guys hadn't got a driver's license and had to be taught to drive by Terry Grant in the car park at Abu Dhabi before he could go on the track. But he coped on the track brilliantly. You know, it, it was amazing. So yes, it, the skills are transferable, definitely. If you are looking to start in motorsport, my advice is to get yourself into an affordable one-mate championship as soon as possible. And affordable is going to depend on your income. You know, so something like in the UK, you could go and do Suzuki Swifts in British Rallycross. Great. Everybody's in the same car, pretty much, you know, you can't really throw much more at it than tyres and, and testing. Uh, and it will, it will give you a good gauge and a good, a good chance to follow other people. I think even if you wanted to go into rallying, I would actually say do rally cross first because it, you've only got six corners. You know, racing is doing the same corner thousands of times. Rallying is doing every thousands of corners once. So it's, quite, it's harder, I think, to learn the, the rallying from that point of view than it is to learn the rally cross side of things. But the nice thing about rally cross is you get to drive on the loose as well. So you'll get a mixture of tarmac and gravel driving before maybe then going into rallying where you get to do both as well. You can do rallycross from quite a young age as well, which, which, is a, which is a bit of an advantage. So I'd say rallycross first of all, and then if you, if you aspire to move into rally, head that way afterwards. And, and they've got the buggies in Dirt Rally 2.0. I guess that's where you would start off in on the tracks in rallycross in the buggies or... You can, you can, I'll tell you what, you're brave if you start off in the buggies, definitely. They're so fast. An, an RX150 or, a, a, say, a Speed Car Extreme buggy uh, that they use over in the Nordic Championship. Uh, you've got things like the TN5 Thierry Neuville's buggy that we saw last year at Hollius with Hansons and Thierry driving. Yeah, they're savagely quick machines. And But there's a junior cross-car championship over in Nordic where I can't remember how young the kids are. I want to say 12, but it might be even younger than that. So, yes, definitely. And what they do there is they Oliver Solberg actually started in cross car as well he had a funny looking little little buggy i remember him driving at hollywood being so young he'd be riding around the paddock on his bike playing games with the other kids in the paddock and then off to race his cross car and now here he is about to make his world rally car debut on the arctic wrc round so yeah oliver's grown up fast but i've, I've been in the paddock coming up eight eight nine years so yeah they uh, those buggies have a smaller engine and it's the same with karting. You can start with a Bambino, can't you, and move up through. So, yeah, you could start with a smaller engine buggy. You don't want to jump straight into a livid 750, 800,000cc buggy. I think that'd be a bit of a rude awakening. They have it in Scandinavia, don't they? They, uh, I don't know what it's called when they go... Um, they're almost like banger racing, aren't they? But it's a huge thing over there. And it's like all ages, £200 bangers. Uh, and I know they did a top it's, gear piece. What's it called? Uh, folk race. Folk race. Yeah, folk it. race is absolutely brilliant. And there's another name for it as well. Uh, but folk race. So basically, you all have a car which is of a certain value. Well, no, the car can be as expensive as you want. But after the race, if you win with your car, I can come and buy it off you for a set price. I can't remember what the price is. Call it three thousand euros or whatever, four thousand euros. So if you spend fifty thousand euros on your car, that's fine. You'll probably win the meeting, but I can buy it off you at the end of the meeting for four thousand euros, and you have to sell it. So there is no motivation for anybody to go crazy and spend ten thousand euros, which is what keeps the cost down all the while. If you know, so if you are a new kid coming in and you maybe don't have the skills to do the lovely thing with the brake lines and do the lovely thing with the roll cage and 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 just you know tweak the radiators and make make the make everything really awesome, you just go all right. Well, here's four thousand euros. I'll buy that one. That's really good, and it's done. So you, you know, if you're the guy with the skills, you can go and make another one. Fine, you don't mind. Sell it on and, and build a fresher one. But you see what I mean? It, so it keeps the turnover of cars and drivers equal at the bottom. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great series, folk races. So yeah, I'd like to see more folk race style series. It, the biggest problem, I think, in places like the States at the minute is there's no entry-level rallycross. You know, you've got to come straight in at ARX, nitro rallycross level with, a, with an RX2 car uh, before moving straight into supercar. And there's ARX3 buggies over there. Uh, you know, that, they're a great lot. Cole and his team have a fantastic 
fantastic setup with with the buggies but it's again you want something access low access that's what we need more of an all motorsport biggest barrier to me for, for different people trying motorsport is cost unfortunately always will be well we were talking earlier about auto cross uh, no auto solos yeah <laughs> and uh, and yeah i you should see more of that at a lower, lower lower routes but then councils are less likely to do it and uh, there's all sorts of reasons which we won't go into so uh, i think the last question i think we really have uh, is your dream scenario so if you were handed the keys to either rally or rallycross car uh, with the stage or track of your choice uh, what would you choose so what is my dream rallycross, rally car and stage or, or circuit? So let's do rallycross first of all. Rallycross rally on the one hand is really tough because I'd love to try a brutal 6R4 or RS200 from the days of 800 horsepower and savage tyre grip and you know basic circuits. There's a bit of me that really wants to try that. But if I'm honest, I'd probably just flatter myself and try the Volkswagen Polo because it looks brilliant. And that's not to say that Christofferson isn't an incredible driver. He is. But for me, that car is probably the pinnacle of the World Rallycross Championship's development, certainly in internal combustion. The other teams got nearer to it. Hyundai, the Audi S1 uh, and, the, and the Peugeot 208 were all much nearer in 2020 than they, they were previously when, when, uh, when Johan and Volkswagen took a break for a year in 2019. So I'd probably go with the Polo supercar and I'd have to, I'd want to go to Hollius just because I really want to drive a supercar around Hollius. I just think it's a, it's an amazing, you've got, if you walk towards turn one in Hollius, it's the, the crest in turn one is nearly six feet high and you need to do it in a road car really because walk into it, you don't spot it. When you sit in a road car and you come up to you, like, I can't see over the crest. You realise they're going in, there's that wonderful shot Christopherson from last year, which is on the outside of turn two looking in and he comes in when he's trying to beat extra on the merge. He comes in on like the lock stops in fifth gear or whatever and it's just, it's the epitome of a wonderful bit of rallycross you could see i can't remember what he said i said something like oh he's on a mission or he's on the limit whatever because you just saw it like you could see how hard he was trying so polo hollius for rallycross because i think it would flatter me the car would flatter me the track wouldn't it's a terrible track to choose but i just want to drive around it rally car I really, I really like to try something modern because I think it would be easier to drive. That's, I know it's easier to drive. I've, I've been really lucky. I've sat in a hell of a lot of rally cars from world rally cars through to R5s, Group A cars at Goodwood when I used to commentate the rally stage there. So I passenger in a lot of them. And it's blatantly obvious that a WRC car and an R5 car are a lot easier to drive and, and, than, than a Group A car. But I do quite fancy a go in a Group A 555 Impressor. I think because of McRae being my hero and that being the year that I was out in the forest watching rallying, I would probably choose a Welsh stage, um, preferably one I've done before in my old Peugeot 206, you know, so I, uh, some, somewhere like that in, in the, I think probably the Group A555 Impressor. If I could have two or three, <laughs> which I know I can't, but you're going to get it anyway, I'd probably then go, I, I really like to try a WRC 97, the, the first, was it 96? 97 wasn't it the first of the first of the Impressor WRC cars because it just looks stunning I just wanted I love that car any of the car that looked like it was that shape can't remember when it stopped it went up to S6 definitely um and then Peugeot 306 Maxi on tar like I just some Corsica Catalonia mega well that's been it that's been Andrew Coley hope you enjoyed it and uh yeah, thanks for coming on uh, coming on to Traction. Thanks for having me on Traction, guys. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, see you soon.